Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. I am super pumped about today's session. We got session 91, and I got Carling Harps and Patrick Beach on the show, and I'm so pumped because I've been trying to get them on the show for um, a little bit. We had some scheduling conflicts, and Carling's having a baby, and they're having a family, and all that fun stuff, so... I finally got them on the show, um, which is super incredible. They're two of my favorite humans um, on this planet. And uh, I got to just talk to them about their journey, which I had tons of questions on. And I wanted to get to know a little more about them and, and how it all um, came together and what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. And we talked about the baby. Um, so that was super fun. Just before I jump into the show, I wanted to remind you listeners out there to support the show. Uh, the only way to keep this thing going is by your guys' love and your support. There's two ways to do that. Um, we are looking to try to hit um, a minimum of 40 donors, hopefully by the end of the year, using our donor box. So it is 100% to get the show sustainable. Um, it helps pay for the producing, getting the bookings, and everything else that goes with it. Um, and then we do a transparent budget so you guys can see exactly where the money's going to. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can do that down below in the link or you can leave a review on iTunes because that helps share the show uh, with more people out there, which would give us another opportunity to help the show be supported. So if you want to keep this thing going, see if you can give us a little love down below. Without further ado, here comes session 91. Patrick and Carling, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for having us. I'm super pumped to get to have you guys. It's, I've been trying to get in contact with you for like a little bit. And then, well, one, you got pregnant. And then two, I was like traveling all over the place. And so we never got to finally sync up, but we finally got to make it happen. And for three, our email game is suspect. I can't even lie about it. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's questionable. We're a little slow on the email front. So, what, you know, what's, go what's going on with that? Uh, I would say it's just our general workflow is <laughs> <laughs> or lack thereof. It's just that we live in a uh, sea of randomness. And um, when you are in that reality, it, it just, you know, it, email is not one of the things that gets prioritized frequently. It's one of the things that like gets prioritized here and there. Well, I think you probably know when you have a, it's not like you go sit in an office from nine to five and the first thing you do is get coffee and check your email. So yeah. it's, it's sometimes you're really on top of it. And other times you're like, Oh, it's, it's been a while. I should probably check. that." I will say, and not totally not shaming at all, but I will say that I have heard from multiple people that I'm the fastest emailing yoga teacher ever. Oh, wow. That's yeah. high praise. Congratulations. I, re I really do think that's a win. It's like something that we strive to improve upon all the time. Every we're, year. We're, I mean, off to, we're off to quite an interesting start in this podcast, by the way. It's totally. It's just going to get weirder. So it's fine. Uh, I, also, I also have no idea what work-life balance means, so it's totally fine. I'm pretty convinced, to be honest, that it's a myth. Work-life work -life balance? Yeah. That, I mean, why do we think that there would ever be a perfect balance between work, like, work and life? They're an ebb and flow there's no way it's going to be balanced on today's episode we're actually just going to cry and talk about how much we worked <laughs> we work so much and we have no we have no balance no i like it i like i i love the hustle of it all i think it's quite fun i'm, I'm quite entertained by the day-to-day -day basis of my existence i just think that it's one of those things that uh just like what carling said where it's like the biggest flaw with a nine-to-five job is that yeah. 
um, is, is not the act of the job itself. It's just that straight up, sometimes you have a lot of work and sometimes you don't. And for that, sure, that's just the truth of it. And then this is the same thing, um, with our job too, except for when we don't have work or, you know, there's a, there's a lull in activity, all of a sudden you kind of do what you want to do. So, you know, I, I mean, that's like the, that's the, the freedom part of it. Right. And I, I, yeah, go for I, it. I love it. Like, I mean, I've, I've been grind. I like the last four years have been nothing but a grind to like get my thing going and make it happen. Grind though, man, you got to lose that language. Like the grind, grind is grinding you down to a halt. You got to change that language. Like that's my hustle or that's my flow or that's like my activity. Well, then I, so I lead this workshop and it's called the yoga teacher hustle. So like, uh, I guess I'll I'll call it like the hustle, but, but I love, I lo- like I'm a dreamer. I love being creative and I love like, you know, I love being able to see like long-term and vision and I love doing that for other people as well. But then I have the pragmatic people that I'm like, okay, cool. Make this shit happen. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But just so that you guys are both aware, this like lull in your life is about to be no more after, <laughs> after the middle of July. There's not been a lull to, since the, well, the last seven years, but to be honest with you, there hasn't been a lull <laughs> in reality since January. So like we, um, you know, it's, it's since January, we've fit, we were doing multiple filmings in January, plus coming back from being in Australia, yeah. plus renting our place we currently live in in Seattle. February, we ran a teacher training and uh, our entire yoga studio in LA by ourselves essentially closed the studio down. In March, we finished a 300-hour teacher training at the LA space, uh, sold our house, had to keep it spotless clean, which was quite absurd experience, <laughs> and, um, and then moved to Seattle two days after to then finish the build out here and then open that up. And then I went to Europe three days after that. So, I mean, like th- th- that's, that's been this year. Like that's, well, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys, what did you, were you just over LA or is there family up in Seattle or like yeah, what yeah. happened? So we're actually like born and bred Seattle. So Patrick and I both grew up here, all of our families. Got it. Um, and we, we had always kind of had an intention to open a space here as well, because this is our like OG community. This is where many of our first students were. So we always wanted to have a presence here. And at first the plan was kind of just to be able to split the time and have a good excuse to come back here and teach and run programs in both LA and here. Yeah. But once we decided to start trying for a kid and we kind of had this realization of, you know, our life is a bit chaotic and we really need to embrace support. And yeah. part of that was coming home and being around our family. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we were like, we can do this in LA, but yeah. man, wouldn't life be better if we had people to help us with well, it? And there's something to be said too. I'm sure like your moms are probably so stoked and you know, it's like the first grandbaby and then your, you know, brothers and sisters, if you have them, everyone's going to be super, you know, it's a new baby. It's everyone's gonna be super pumped up. Yeah. My sister ironically has the same due date as Carla. So, uh, oh, no way. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, So so 2019 is the biggest year of my mom's life. (laughs) Safe to say she's, she's living her, uh, her dream. Her best life. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's amazing though. It's like, it's a good, um, it's a good energy and, and everything for what we wanted to do going forward. And also, um, the biggest thing that we really realized about Los Angeles in our time there is that everybody is nomadic and including mm-hmm. us in, yeah. in that, in that environment. And so like, for, for example, I became really good friends with dice when, uh, we were living down there. We we're obviously still good friends, yep. but we would like 
talk all the time and then like literally not see each other for six months and then right. see each other every day for five weeks. You know what I mean? Right. It's like right. when you just go through these massive periods of time where you're not with people or you're not around people and that, <clears throat> that inconsistency, it, we, it just didn't really foster um, the kind of, yeah. yeah, not even not even community. I mean, I think I think yes, that in a sense, but also just the the fact that y- you want some, we want some level of consistency in in one part of our life at least, because mm-hmm. everything else is so erratic. I mean, like um, you know, we still travel six to seven months out of the year. You know what right. I mean? Like, like right. it's from being nomadic for a year and a half a while ago to trying to, I mean you know, cutting, cutting the travel schedule down to like 35 weeks a year and then trying to be in the thirties now, you know, it's just, um, you want like, Oh, I when 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 I'm in Seattle, like I, my, I want to be able to see my best friends that live here. Colleen wants to be able to see her best friends that live here. You want to have people to spend time with and stuff like that and have a sense of, um, a sense of normalcy. I think that so often, um, it is easy to live in the yoga world especially if that's where you, um, you're a yoga teacher, you're really ingrained in the community in the process and you enjoy it. Um, and you forget how everybody else lives and you can, you, you can overemphasize the, the efforts of a certain group of people. And so I really think that what, what ends up happening is you forget what normal looks like and how, um, you know, so, so many things that, what, what we're all essentially what we're all competing with, you know, in terms of teaching yoga or doing fitness or anything like that is Netflix. You know what I mean? We're teaching, we're competing with the couch. We're not competing with each other. Right. And you forget that if you're only in the hustle of teaching essentially. And so, well, yeah, because you're surrounded by your peers and your peers are doing the same thing. And like, you know, your, your, your colleagues are like, well, I'm out doing this and out doing this and I'm out going this way and I'm out going that way. And so you kind of only see that small circle when there's a whole lot more going on out there. Yeah. I think you I think it's a, a bit ungrounding and not necessarily yes. a negative way. And I think LA in general is a city that's like that. Everyone's got a, their toes and a lot of ponds and everyone's doing a lot of different cool interesting that's a lot stuff of toe spreading. it's a lot of toe spreading a lot of yoga um i mean that's great great for yoga but right <laughs> but people are all over the place and so it's not the most grounded place to be yeah. and i think we realized that with having a kid that we we don't have grounding in a lot of places in our life but we needed to find some so yeah. um yeah. which is funny because when we first moved to LA, we were both so stoked. We're like, yeah, let's like ready to go. Let's do it tomorrow. And it's the same thing on the way back. By the time we, once we made the decision to head back, we were like, all right, let's do it. Like, this is going to be great. So it's actually been a really smooth transition and quite lovely, despite all the chaos of like selling a house and closing a business and employees and this, that, and the other, it's been so refreshing to just come back home and feel like immediately at ease. The one bummer thing is I didn't get to go to the studio before. I, I mean, I've seen tons of pictures of it, but I never actually, I was in LA five, six, seven weeks, I think last year, but I was always like, I was always with Noah and training down there and I was like super swamped, but I wanted to cruise by the studio and just check it out. I never had the opportunity to do it, oh, kind of, but that means I'll have to go to Seattle and check it out. Yeah, I was like, you got, you got options still. I'm trying to do less travel though. Last year, kind of like similar last year took it out of me. I did, I think like. 12 weeks. And by the end of the year, I was just like, I, there's, I can't, it's so low show. Like I can't do the travel and run the podcast and run the retreats and run the trainings and run my public classes and do corporate classes and do like, it was just like way too much. So part of the thing that I decided to do this year is like, I, when I was looking at every quarter was like, okay, when's Danny going to have time off? When am I going to go do a training for myself? And when am I just going to have like four days to do nothing? <laughs> 
Florida. It didn't happen. It hasn't happened. <laughs> it's nice when you put it on a calendar. It feels good to be like, these are my days. Even if it doesn't happen, it feels, it's kind of satisfying to like try to plan for it. It's like creating, totally. like creating the to-do list and then writing things that you already did so you can check them off. That's a classic Carling thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I make a to-do list every single day because I'm a little neurotic, but yeah. I do almost always put something at the top that I have already done just to have the satisfaction of crossing it off and feeling like I've, I've made progress. Winner. Oh. <laughs> and they already won. So. I'm getting first place. Watch. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to do every day. So there's a lot of changes going on for you guys. You have a baby coming up. We do. We got about three weeks till till yeah, day <laughs> or whenever she decides to show give up. Yeah, so for be. those that, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen this on on, on Instagram or you know just whatever, do, do you want to tell everybody what it is? Yeah, we're having a baby girl. Do you guys have a name? We do have a name, Secret. but we're keeping it to the chest. Okay. All right. All right. I know. So it's been actually hard. We've let it slip a few times, but. Um, yeah. What if I told you this podcast isn't going to air until after you have a baby, though? <laughs> Mom's the word, you guys. Mom's the word. <laughs> I know. The, yeah, the problem is, yeah, who knows when she's going to show up? We're hoping she stays in there until the due date because we got a lot of stuff to do before then. But, yeah, you yeah, know. you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. How yeah. are you? How are you guys? So the baby was like, was it planned, or you guys were you guys were ready to talk about like like being mom and dad, or it kind of just happened, or? There's nothing in this life that isn't flat. <laughs> sure. Like, no, no, but no, I mean, I mean, seriously, like, um, you know, I don't we think had, he doesn't mean in like an esoteric, like yeah, it's, there's a grand plan yeah, or, <laughs> or everything happens for a reason. No, not, not, none of that. Um, li- literally we had a, a two cycle window to make it happen. If it was going to happen <laughs> and, uh, if Kyle was going to give birth in 2019 and, uh, it happened in the first cycle. So, you know, nice. yeah, we were super fortunate with all of the science working so well, to be perfectly honest. Like it's the, it's the most mind blowing thing about, uh, the whole experience besides the, the growth of young Carling and Cole. <laughs> <That's the size laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but honestly, like that, that, that worked so, um, so flawlessly. It really, because we, you know, you hear all the time about how people, uh, have a hard time getting pregnant and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I, it's something that I really appreciate, or I feel so lucky that it, it happened the way that it did and as, as simply as it did, because it really, uh, it, it took a lot of the, like, uh, the, not, not the, I don't want to say pressure, but just like the, the anticipation maybe mm-hmm. out of the situation, it, it allowed it to like, oh, all right, cool, it worked. And now we're, now we're doing the thing yeah. as opposed to, because like if, if we didn't hit those two cycles, in those two cycles and we would have wait, waited till the next year in the same uh, cycles. Yeah. Basically sure. trying to plan around travel and things like that. Yeah. Like the, the 300 hour teacher training we have coming up in Bali in November, it's like, okay, well, when could we do this? This is just, it's like so calculated, Yeah, but when right. can we do it where she'd be old enough to travel and I'm recovered enough and things to like that part of it. to be part right. of it, not miss out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, I feel fortunate and lucky that we didn't have to have the stress of trying to figure things out. Cause obviously I think we all know people that, um, are, end up having struggles with it and it can be totally all consuming, which is understandable, but we felt Carly, really let it be seamless. I was going to ask you, how is, well, I mean, do, do you feel at all? Or, and you know, sometimes it happens with a lot of pregnant yoga teachers where they decide maybe like down the line, they, they might want to teach like yoga for pregnant moms or like baby and me stuff. Have you thought about any of that? Or you're going to, you're, you're not really there yet. 
No, you know, I actually have been teaching pre and postnatal for years and years, and I'm okay. a, I'm a trained doula as well. So, oh no way, that's yeah. awesome. So I trained as a doula with um, Penny Simpkin, who is like the original uh, like grandmother of doulas um, back in 2014, I think it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And I really start. I got into prenatal when I had one of my favorite students up here in Seattle years ago. She got pregnant with twins, and I was like, "Oh shit! I don't know how to help her." Like yeah, I really do. Yeah. yeah, and she was like an everyday student, and I felt so um, at a loss, just realizing yeah. I didn't know anything. And so I delved into pre and postnatal yoga back then, and then that sparked kind of this like weird obsession with the birth world, not in that, like, I wanted to have kids back then, because I didn't, but I just thought it was so fascinating. And women's health has always fascinated me. But I was just so empowered by the idea of how everything works. And the way that the hormones and the science, I just thought it was fascinating. So I kind of like jumped in headfirst. The fact that you're growing a a human inside of your Mm -hmm. belly is is fascinating. (laughs) Utterly fascinating. And so, um, so yeah, I've been kind of like, a little bit in the birth world for a long time. And my hope is that when we when I come back from from this to be able to start to expand my the pre and postnatal program at Commune in Seattle, um, and I'm writing an ebook right now all about prenatal yoga. And then once we get to the other side of this, I'm going to write one about postnatal as well. Very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I have a few moms that like. I have a lot of moms that come to my class actually, surprisingly enough. And I teach, you know, pretty, I, I guess, like a vigorous class or whatever. But they just stay and chill the entire time. And then when they're when they're ready, I send them off to, we have a really awesome teacher here in the city, Jane Austen. She's like the mama of mamas and does a lot of doula work and so on and so forth. I just send them over to her when they're ready, you know, but I, I, I see you practicing girl. You're, you're still getting after it. You see, I think there's this misconception. I mean, there's so much fear around everything in America, but for sure that if you're pregnant, it's just some disease or you can't do anything. Even my initial, or that you're crazy. Or that you're crazy. I got to love that one. Like, Oh, her hormones are raging. Don't let her make any decisions. She wants, <laughs> she wants ice cream and pickles. She's crazy. Um, there's so many misconceptions that I think we forget that pregnant women are still just women and it's not the only thing in their life that's going on. Like everything else doesn't grind to a halt because you got pregnant. You still got to go to work and deal with all the BS and stuff like that. And you still want to yeah. practice and you still want to move and you also still want to do hard stuff for the most part. Yeah, so, for sure. You just got to be a little more mindful of like yeah. the, the elastin and whatnot. But yeah. yeah. There are things that need to be modified and like condition things that should be taken into account if you want to have an easier postnatal time. I mean, I always say that like prenatal is whatever, it's 10 months, but mm-hmm. postpartum is forever. So right. we do right. like pregnant matters for what happens later, but it doesn't mean you can, can't still challenge yourself and find satisfaction in, in doing the stuff you loved beforehand. Not everything has to be put on hold. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like, yeah, there's that common misconception that just because you're pregnant, you can't do this, this, and that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have moms coming into my class and they're just crushing it the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. There's still plenty of options. How's the, uh, how's the new studio going up in Seattle? Yeah, it's going great. You know, it's a good, um, it's a good experience so far. <laughs> you know, I think, sorry to interrupt you. Um, one of the most satisfying things about up here is because we both started our teaching careers here and actually in the same neighborhood where the current studio is. Like I grew up down the street. I went to high school and college. I went to University of Washington right near the studio. So for us, it's been this kind of lovely homecoming, like getting to see students that we had a decade ago, come back and see how much they've grown and how much literal dedication and passion they've had where when we haven't been present for it um, has been so like humbling and gratifying. 
it's made the experience um, really sweet, even just in the first six weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was keeping up when you guys were posting, just like getting ready to open and whatnot. But I'm sure, as as are you guys like, is the studio in like Seattle, like city center, or? Uh, it's in the neighbor in the Wallingford neighborhood, uh, which is right next to the University of Washington. Yeah, so we're just Got north it, okay. of north of downtown by like maybe 10 minutes. Seattle's really not that big of a city compared to say LA where our studio is not a city. It's a sprawl. Yeah. It's a giant sprawl. We were, it's aggressive skirts in LA, like Highland park where we were there is is the the fact that where we live and Santa Monica is still considered to be one city is hilarious or Beverly Hills or West Hollywood, whatever it does. It's, it's hilarious. It's not, it's not real. It should be like 15 different cities. That's a conversation for a different time. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's going really well. I guess one of the biggest things for us is that uh, with this space, we so often people are like trying to help create change in the world. And they only think about, um, you know, how, how they can do that with like social causes. But I think one of the best ways to actually create change is to provide good people opportunities to do things and empower them within their, within themselves. And uh, that's really what we are striving to do with this space, you know, like giving, um, giving people jobs, giving people the opportunities to teach, giving people opportunities to share what they love and, 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 and inspire and motivate people to become, you know, better versions of themselves, if you want to say that, or just more, more conscious, more alert people. I think that's, you know, really our biggest drive, especially even with awakening yoga on a, on a bigger scale is like, how can you be more aware, more conscious and Mm. um, more, more connected? I think that is so often, um, you know, with yoga, it starts out as a foreign thing and then it, it moves into like a, a ritualistic thing. And sometimes it moves into a routine thing. And I think our biggest goal is to avoid routine and keep things ritualistic. And so, uh, you know, the more that we're giving people these opportunities to be empowered, the more it really feels like we're helping create a sense of um, a, a sense of how you could be yourself in a different way. You know what I mean? Like how you sure. yeah you can exist in the modern world in many forms. And I think that it's a, it's a it's a different way to look at to look at things because you don't have to be who you were. You could you really have the opportunity every day to be who you want to be. And I think that that when you begin to look at things in that way, all of a sudden, you know, there's more opportunity than you thought possible. Yeah. And I would also say too, it's like providing people the tools and the techniques to get them to look at things in a certain way and to reflect and contemplate so they can see things in a new light. And, you know, I always call it like stepping away from the story, you know, that drama that we play over and over in our heads of like, this happened to me and this was done to me, you know, and then you start to realize actually like, no, there's some personal responsibility that needs to be taken there. And also I, I have the power to change that. Yeah, absolutely. And just giving people the space to kind of have that self-discovery. I think it's easy to try to control everything. And especially as studio owners, as business owners, or even as teachers, like we kind of joke that typically as teachers, if you end up being a career yoga teacher, you probably have some control issues that you want to, <laughs> that you want to exercise out on other people at some point. Sure. Um, but as it's just probably just a trait that most of us have, we can all be okay with that. Oh my God, we're all type A. (laughs) There's a a reason that you end up where you are or that you commit to the hustle or whatever it is of being a day-to-day yoga teacher because it's not an easy job. But as studio owners, for us too, even for our staff, for the teachers and people that work with us, our goal is to always just kind of give them a space to be the best version of themselves as teachers, not to create like a, a 
army of little mini Patrick and Carlings that teach just like us or try to control things or make it the Patrick and Carling show. Our goal is to like, you know, we only let ourselves teach three to four times a week and everything else is just about having a balanced schedule and making sure there's diversity and opportunity for the students to find a teacher that fits for them so that they can, you know, find the right kind of practice that works and isn't just constrained by what we think it should be. Yeah. I mean, there's so many options out there and like, you know, one person's, if one teacher's trying to make everyone happy, you got a problem, you know, like that's, that's not the way it should work. There's, there's so many teachers that open so many doors and then, you know, once they pass through those then they introduce them to somebody else and then eventually they introduce them to somebody else. And there's so much information and so much knowledge out there, you know, and I think for one, for one person to be that for, for another person, like to be the everything, that's like a really big ask. Oh yeah. And, and then you, yeah, and then you got to you start to get into like the the false guru, you know, thing like that's it starts to lead to a really slippery slope. It definitely does. Yeah. It's not good for anyone. And I mean, we say this a lot, but it's like there yoga can improve we believe everyone's life. Like everyone can benefit from yoga, but that's not to say that everyone is going to benefit from the same yoga. So there's a practice, there's a teacher for everyone. It's just unlikely to be the same and for us to expect it to be the same would be crazy talk. I, oh my God, I completely, agree. I completely agree. Although I still want people to come to my classes. <laughs> also, our classes are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, we're really good teachers. So come to our classes. Thanks. <laughs> you know, that's the end of the show. Come to our classes. Bye. <laughs> so you guys are up to, so I know you guys have, so you have a studio and then you were mentioning Bali earlier. So you guys are going to be out in Bali in November. Yeah, we'll be in Changu. We've got um, actually a 300 hour training. Um, in, I mean, Chengdu is like one of my most favorite places in Bali because it's still a little more chill. It's not the craziness of some of the more touristy areas, although I'm sure it will eventually get there. Like um, everything else, Bali. Like every, yeah. yeah. But for now, it's awesome. And we're excited to be able to, I mean, for us planning stuff, we, we run two and 300 hours every year, but it's kind of also just this exercise and well, where do we want to go for a month? Well, right, we're, right. we're happy to hang out in Bali for a month. So I got to assume some of you guys are happy to hang out in Bali for a month. So it's a, it's a, it's a full month immersion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's November 1st through December 1st. And, uh, it's just like a solid, solid 30 days of, of all things yoga, which is, I mean, our dream <laughs> and other people's. And is it going to be like, what's the schedule like for this? And what's, what's, uh, tell me a little more about the curriculum for your 300 hour. So we run all of our programs through Awaking Yoga Academy, which is our yoga school. And, um, the 300 hour, what I love about the 300 hour is obviously you get to dive a little deeper past just the basics of the foundations. Um, but also for us, it means that you get more intensive time. I think usually at 300 hours, students are more adept to like sit, work through longer practices. So we can kind of actually dive into stuff without that burnout. You know, the gloss over, you see it in 200 hour students eyes at like hour two each day. Drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, there's just only so much people can absorb. So uh, for us, the 300 hours, we get to dive into more of the nuance of awakening yoga, which means breaking down the different pillars. You know, we work with these four pillars of solar vinyasa, of lunar mobility, of strength and restorative. So we get to, people get a more well-rounded approach, which for us is so satisfying. So we get to talk about the strength and the biomechanics. We get to talk about restorative and yoga nidra. And we get to dive into more than just, okay, how are we going to get you through your first class? And like, dear God, you're going to be okay. Right, right, right. Who does like, as far as like the workload while you guys are out there, do you guys like co-lead everything together or do you take certain subjects and then Patrick, you take another few or? Uh, I think it's, I mean, I probably teach the majority of the classes Mm -hmm. and Carling leads more of the discussions 
and we just kind of split the breakdown time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really, we don't ever co-teach. That's never been a thing that we've ever done. Um, It's really just not our vibe. I've no knock to people that do it, but uh, (laughs) I think it's, it's in my opinion, it's a bit weird um, just because it's, it's a multi-experience thing. Um, And while Carling and I strive to be on the same wavelength all the time, (laughs) I don't think we teach any way similar. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, we, we both kind of play our own natural parts and support each other as best we possibly can. And, and that's, that's just kind of how we, how we build into, into the training and the experience of it. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's just nice. It's in, we, we, we've always worked really well together and that's kind of how we've created all the things that we have. And so it's a, a huge um, benefit to our relationship because it makes us, it gives us a kind of like this fourth or fifth dimension in terms of, where we can go as two people coming together. So I know that's a bit off of like how we split the work, but personally it's really cool because it's um, seeing each other grow into these specific roles or hand sure. angle situations. It's, it's really cool to see uh, the evolution of that compared to even a few years ago. Who's the philosophy nerd from out of both of you? Uh, I think Carling is more of the technicality um, nerd in terms of the way her mind works. Like Carlin can troubleshoot anything and she can, um, all, she is also a much more a technical learner than I am. And mm-hmm. I think I'm probably more of the, uh, spiritual side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely say Patrick is way more on the esoteric energetic side of things, metaphorical, metaphorical yeah. and can just like wordsmith his way through something that like, uh, that, is every time when you come with like a philosophy lecture, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was in there. But (laughs) (laughs) for me, my brain is much more technical. I mean, I'm more of the anatomy biomechanics, like let's talk about force and load and, and skeletal structure. Um, And And yoga history. And yoga history. And like the, the the actual factual lineages and learnings and things like that. Yeah. So, but you know, it's funny because, we've always complimented each other while it's the same thing in the rest of our work. Cause we manage everything together and kind of always have, but it's like Patrick's always been the big idea person, whereas I'm much more of the executor. And so he's I, the dreamer. I, you're the pragmatic person. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it, I don't know how you would work together any other way. I mean, to yeah. be honest, because if you're both the dreamers, it's like, how does anything get done? And if get you're both done, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like eventually someone's got to do the stuff. Someone has to build the website. Someone has to send out the emails. For but sure. But if you're, if you're both executors, like it's easy for me to think too small. And you know what I mean? Whereas, and same with Patrick, it's easy for him to think too big. So we can find our, our way in the middle with whether it's trainings or business or anything. Um, I think because we have individual strengths and we don't really try to pull from each other's pool. It's easy to say that's a you job, that's a me job. Okay, we got it. It's super important, man. I mean, it's, I, I I have you know a couple of people that help me do do things you know for for the business and whatnot. And like I like I said earlier, like I'm really good at being like, all right, this is what I want to happen, and this is what I see going next, and I want things to look look like this, and blah 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I just want to teach the yoga and show up and chant mm-hmm. and do my bhakti thing, and like that's that's what I want. I want to sit there and play my harmonium, tell people to love themselves, and then <laughs> I want other people. I want other people to like. Yeah, sure. Something, a mailing newsletter, I got to do that or it has to go out or someone do that, please. Yeah. Can someone please take care of this? Yeah. Can someone, can someone please make this happen? (laughs) How'd you learn the harmonium? Um, I bought one and I went on, uh, YouTube and a YouTube university did. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys want me to come up there and do a couple chanting workshops, I'll teach you guys how to sing and open up your hearts and and do some bhakti. It's pretty fun. It's it's loving sing country music. (laughs) The funny thing is, is I used to make fun of the harmonia. I you I like I talk about this all the time. Like I used to go into. I was just such a stuck up prick when I first went into yoga. I was like, I'm an athlete. Like, is this going to be hard and it's going to be challenging because I want to work out. And, you know, like it wasn't to like after like later on down the line, but like chanting, I'd be like, oh, you fucking hippies. Like, here we go again. Like, Hare Krishna and this bullshit. And then a few years ago, you know, I had this one teacher who just really came in and, and uh, he brought everyone down on like these three ohms with the harmonium. And I was I actually like i remember opening my eyes and looking at people and being like whoa he just brought everyone down on the same vibration you know and that that was kind of cool and then at the at at the end of it he brought everyone on a chant and i remember not chanting but looking around and seeing how connected people were and i'm like oh this is all just about coming down on vibration whether you're saying these words or other words like it's all about the intention behind it. I just fell in love with it. And it's, it's, it's actually, believe it or not, and this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's changed my life in a lot of ways. Like it's when I sing and when I chant, like I'm not really worried about how beautiful my voice is or whatever, but it's more like this joy comes out of me and this playful side comes out of me. I mean, anytime I get to sing and chant, it's like pure love. It's like, you know, these things that we used to do when we were kids and we, we didn't give a shit like who judged us or whatever, you know, like dancing. And, and it's now something that I get to do as an adult and I get to share that practice with my students as well. What was more nerve wracking, the first time you ever taught yoga or the first time you busted out the harmonium in led chanting class? I mean, same, same. Yeah. Like the first time I taught yoga, I blacked out. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> it's probably better that way for all of us. I, I totally, I, to, I swear. I don't like, I, I remember, I remember the class. I remember who was in it. I like, I'll never forget any of that. And I remember telling people how nervous I was. I was like, I wasn't supposed to be there and some teacher didn't show up. And like, you know, like I was a trained teacher and they're like, you could teach it. And uh, I, don't, I don't really remember like the whole class. I don't even know what, what came out, but I will say the first time that I chanted in front of a class, I told them how nervous I was. I was like, you guys, this is, it was on a new, it was on a new year's, it was on a new year's workshop. And the whole point was like getting rid of the past and, you know, coming, bringing, calling in things to the future. And I was like, one of the things that I want to get rid of is a story that I can't chant or that it's not, that it's not for me. And so I figured I would share that vulnerability with you guys. And we're going to, I'm going to do my first chant with you guys. And it was like 60 something people in a room and I just went for it. And I think I'm pretty sure I fucked up like all the chords and like, you know, I was probably like sounding like a dead cat, but you know, it was, I don't know. It's, it's just still worked. I was definitely like shaking and trembling, but like afterwards it's like, it's kind of funny. I come back to my harmonium over and over and over again. And it's just cool. Like when you, take a look at it next time or, or see when it happens or when you see everyone like come down from like three ohms on a harmonium, like it's just really, you can feel the resonance, the vibration of, of, of everybody, like just coming in, you know, we're all, we're all vibration, you know, and to see everyone come in on that same note is like really beautiful. Well, and you guys have such a strong bhakti community in the Bay area. Like there's, Oh my God. Yeah, like for sure. Not a lot of places that have such a stronghold of that. It's like every geographic area, like LA has a big stronghold community of Kundalini practitioners. And like up here in Seattle, there's always been a lot of Baptiste and Bikram. And it's, it's wild to me in San Francisco that such a strong Bhakti community has emerged. I mean, it's not wild knowing that there's people like Janet leading that there and things like that, but right. um, there's not a lot of areas that I feel like we've taught in where I've seen so much Bhakti as I have in the Bay area. There's a lot of bhakti yoga up here, a ton of it. You know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't consider myself like a, a bhakti yogi per se, 
Um, but I definitely do add elements of it in my class. Like, you know, I always start class and end class with, you know, chanting and just like, you know, a few minutes, mainly because I love the sound of it. I, I mean, I could sit there and play. I would sit there and play to the entire class, you know, the entire time because I love the sound of it so much. I like that. Yeah, we don't, I don't feel like, I'm trying to think, I guess New York too, maybe. New York has a pretty, pretty yeah. stronghold. Um, I mean, I remember I've taken one harmonium lesson with uh, some friends of mine that own Creature Yoga. I was in Byron Bay and I took a, a harmonium lesson with my friends Bess and Tall. And I just remember being like, this is so hard. Like, what, like as an adult trying to learn how to play an instrument, I remember just feeling utterly so stupid trying to coordinate myself. Oh my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it a point to get up there and I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys through like a day. I'll take your students through like a day of just like bhakti and chanting and kind of demystify it and break it down for everybody and then teach you how to play the harmonium. It's really sweet. It's really easy too. I, I believe, I believe you that it can be easy. <laughs> <laughs> the resistance in Carly's voice right now. <laughs> I, I, in, I, in her mind, Carly sees herself as Casey Musgraves, but in reality, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the IRL side of things. She's, She's more of a Velvet Elvis vibe. <laughs> I am more of a, a country vibe than a, and, than a Kirtan vibe, to be honest. Yeah. I remember my first Kirtan, though, uh, during uh, my one of my first 200 hours with Annie Carpenter. We were in we were in Venice years ago, and part of the 200 hour – I mean, we were so lucky in this program that this was when, like, Shiva Ray and Sean Korn and Eric Schiffman were all teaching at Exhale where we were doing this 200, so they were all part of, like, our class observations. But Krishna Das came and did a Kirtan. And it was required for the 200. But I remember sitting there being like, this is, this guy is cool. And he's such a good storyteller, but looking around and being like, what is going on? This is so uh, like beyond my, my Western head of how to deal with this, this, I just couldn't make it. And right. Tales of it. I mean, same dude. I like made fun of these people and call them like hippies and nerds and be like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I just couldn't be, but you know, I also came from like bartending at like nightclubs and stuff into, into yoga. So I was like, what is going on in here? I just want to work out. And now I'm like, let's all hold hands and chat for a minute. <laughs> oh, the practice grows on you. For sure. It's ever changing. Are you kidding? Yeah. It's, it's always ever changing. Like, don't get me wrong though. We're going to like chant for a little bit and then like, boom, get up and let's do some core work and get moving. <laughs> I kind of like lie to them, you know, I like lead them in sweetly and then I just break them down. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, do you guys have anything else coming up that we should know about the outside? So we got Bali, we got the new studio, we got a new baby. What else do we have going on? It's an ever evolving process I mean, of um, experience. I don't know. We, we're, I mean, we're on, so we're constantly working on things. We just released our own podcast called life in commune. It came out this week. Um, we have three episodes into that. We, um, we're running a 200 hour teacher training in February up here in Seattle. Um, you know, we're going to be teaching in Europe in most of October before the November training and also teaching in Hong Kong in the first week of December. Uh, yeah. So again, again, the machine is kind of always going, it's always moving and it's, uh, you know, it's a fun journey to be on. So, you know, this, this kid is going to go to more countries than most people do in the first six months of its life. And we're just <laughs> yeah. That goes and, uh, ride the free uh the the free plane ticket right because you don't need to pay for the kid until they're two or something like that so that's pretty sweet she's <laughs> gonna strap gotta, her on and and take her as, as many it. places as she can go and yeah just gotta play that advantage and see and, how it goes yeah and see how it goes for us too i think that's like that's one of the biggest things that we're really trying to figure out moving forward is just like what is it what does everything we've done for the last eight or nine years look like with her right. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's I think that's like the biggest question that we're working on answering ourselves. And I'm sure every parent is <laughs> constantly thinking about things that are very similar to that. Whereas like you're, yeah. you know, what what does it look like? Oh, like we've done all of this. I mean, because Carter and I have been together for a decade, right? With yeah. like yeah. just us and living that experience and almost every other, night, every other night now we just sit and we laugh and like, oh shit, like it's going to be different. Like this is like, we're weeks or days or who knows away from all of this changing and, right. um, and it, it, again, not changing for better or changing for worse. I mean, obviously hoping for better, you know, not, <laughs> you know, but, but just, but just all of a sudden, but just it, inevitable it, it, change. Being, it, it being a completely different experience between us. And, um, it's, it's actually one of the things I value the most is that we've had all this time to together beforehand so that you know we we've we've had this time just with just with just us and then now it's very easy to welcome somebody else into that equation and and seeing how that feels and that looks and how we can adapt and and grow and learn how to be parents like i don't think we know anything we don't try and read any books or anything like that we're just kind of trying to find our way into our own process with it and just really learning you know, how we can, how we can go about that in the best way possible. You know, I think that it's, it's, it's so funny, but I think it's, it's, it's like one of the obligations for, for human beings, like, especially if you're someone that's conscious that, you know, is thinking about things on a deeper level, a more connected level. Like, like we need more people like this to be having kids because so, so many people, especially, um, you know, it's such a second nature thing for most people to just have a kid. And they're all of a sudden not thinking about like, you know, they're not having these deeper thoughts or deeper revelations, I guess. Essentially, you know, the, the population needs more intelligent people. Long, <laughs> long story short on that. Right. That blurb, but, well, you know, a lot of young people, I won't go too off track, but a lot of, I feel like we meet a lot of couple yoga couples that intentionally choose not to have kids, which right. I, can, I can absolutely respect. And there's no obligation for a woman to have a, a child to even be considered motherly or anything like that. Um, but I do find it interesting that so many people in a, discipline that is about evolution and spirituality and figuring out how to uh, elevate consciousness, uh, intentionally choose to not pass that along. Um, I find that interesting, not good or bad. I just, we meet a lot of yoga couples that intentionally don't want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, to each their own. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Carly, will you remind me again? Uh, what was the baby's name? Uh, I, I was going to tell you, but then I didn't. Ah. I know you're so close. <laughs> Just let it slip, slip right out. You know, I was I was smooth though, right? It was there. It was very smooth, and I hesitated. I hesitated. <laughs> well, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show. I know you guys are super busy. You're about to have a baby. You got a new studio. You got tons of things going on. So I've, I've been looking forward to talking to y'all for for quite a bit. I'm just so pumped to to have you guys and to to connect. And I'm excited to see how everything unfolds. Shit, us too. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> buckle up yeah well thank you danny it's been great we appreciate it and i'm glad to finally connect also same same and until uh until the next yogi misfit sessions this is danny carling and patrick saying peace out take it easy